This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, hey guys. Hey. It's Elizabeth. And this is Alex. <laughs> Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. My friend Alex is being weird, but I like it. Well, because I think you usually say it's Elizabeth, not this is Elizabeth. Did I say this is Elizabeth? I don't know. That's what Hello, I Hello, this is Elizabeth. And I was like, uh, this is Alex? <laughs> I guess. One word just screwed up the entire time continuum. We're so confused. That's like where we are. Basically. Um, oh, okay. So <laughs> this is a very special episode. It is. It's our hundredth episode. It's 100. Yay. Hooray. How are you feeling? Um, I feel really good. Do you and feel I- like 100? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm really excited also for today's episode. Yeah. Not, not just because it's the 100th one. I know. I like that you're just like skipping over it, getting right to it. I'm like, do you want to reminisce? you want to like be nostalgic? Talk about way back when? No? I mean, we can. No, I mean, well, we used to not use a microphone. Yeah, we just like talked into a phone. We an talked- iPad. <laughs> We're like, this sounds good, right? This sounds right? Yes. But okay, so I've done enough things for the first time that I always know there's a learning curve. Like I know that there's something that you fucking up that you're not realizing at the beginning that it takes you a little bit to like fully figure out right and so I remember the first day recording with quote unquote recording with Alex and she looked at me and she goes I feel like this is the first time in podcast history that like the first recording was perfect and I was like (laughs) oh my dear friend I guess it wasn't so much the quality but like our conversation our conversation we just jumped right into it it worked it flowed you're not wrong about that because we were like oh this isn't even scripted and it was good yeah 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 but I sounded like this. That's how you, what you could hear. You need to add more echoes. Add like lots of echoes. The fucking sound bouncing all over the place. Hi, hi, hi. It's Alex. <laughs> We've come a long way. We have. I'm, proud I'm so of us. proud. <gasps> Jinx. Um, all right. That's enough of that. Let's jump in now. <laughs> Let's jump in. Why don't you tell the people what we're doing today? All right, you guys. So we have been teasing an essential oil episode for so long, probably maybe since day one, since we started this fucking podcast, but more so recently, and especially within our listener letter episodes. And when I finally sat down to start to like think about what this episode was going to look like, I kept stepping backwards. Like I kept thinking like, OK, we can't talk about that before we talk about this. Well, we can't talk about this until we talk about this. And I kind of just came all the way back to hippie shit at its very essence, (laughs) which is fucking herbs and botanicals. So first we decided, okay, we're going to talk to them about talk. We're going to talk to them about hippie shit in three parts, right? 
But then we kept breaking shit down even more. And long story short is I think that this is going to be just like a series. And I think that maybe we will continue to talk about all things that we talk about on this show in terms of different series. And this series is going to be called Hippie Shit. Hippie Shit. Because we both love hippie shit. (laughs) We both love hippie shit. Hippie shit is everywhere. Alex, when we were talking about like what's hippie shit going to look like, you brought up that it's goop. Yes. Hippie shit in like a really trendy rich person way. Totally. Which is interesting because... I think most people know that like hippiness is more about living off the land, not having any money. Yeah. Sometimes not even using uh, money as currency. A hundred percent. And that's the other part of hippie shit, right? Is like that's the other side of it is like this actual uh, rejection of society. And what are they calling it? Going back to the land. Uh, Yeah. Homesteading. Homesteading. Yeah, I think Goop and other platforms have made hippie things into very mainstream, cool shit to be into. Expensive shit. Yeah, but they've made it expensive. It's so interesting. It's like $1,000 crystals. and Yeah, things yeah. where you're like, that's not, but okay, whatever you want to spend your money on. Right. It's very interesting. Yeah, no shade also. But then I also like it in the sense of like, I like all of that. Of Maybe course. I can't afford their and it's versions nice of it. nice shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, <laughs> but it's just interesting. And I think that the kind of hippie shit we're going to talk about today is um, important because it is the basis of a lot of skincare. Totally. Even things that aren't necessarily natural. Well, it's it's where you and I separately found our way into skincare, right? Is like we yeah. both in different ways were like, let's get back to basics. Let's find some hippie shit that's going to work because nothing else is working. Totally. I took classes with this holistic esthetician in Brooklyn. She's a total hippie. Yeah. But had a great esthetician practice. And I learned a lot from her. She treated the skin from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And that kind of helped shape my skincare philosophy. I then decided later on I didn't want it to just be natural, but that I liked the idea of treating internally also to fully treat a person dealing with skin issues. Yeah. I don't know. I guess at the time I didn't think of it as hippie shit. I was just like, this makes sense. And I think that it does make sense. Totally. Right? Yeah. I mean, the same. I started because I was looking at the things that I wanted to change in myself and in my body. And at the time I had a pet that was very sick and that got like cancer out of nowhere. And I was just looking at everything that we were ingesting and thinking like, at the time, I think it started really because I wanted my hair to grow. And it's like, my hair isn't growing. I'm doing all of the things that they say I should be using. I mean, I wasn't using like very, very high. I wasn't using that Orbe girl. Mm-mm. By the time I was using like, you know, Pantene, whatever it is, like using the things that they say you're supposed to use and the oils, but not even at the time, natural oils. But I was like, it's just not working. So what is it? It must be internal if it isn't something that I'm putting on. So what the fuck is your body made up of? What does your body need? And again, as you said, it was before even aesthetic school. So it's before I really had a, like a grasp on skin and on the body as a whole. But just as like the kid of, you know, an engineer and a nurse, I was like, we've got to be able to figure something out. Yeah, I think, first of all, in esthetician school, you're taught the very basics. Totally. And it's really up to you to find your philosophy. Oh, totally. For me, esthetician school was that these things that I heard and these terms that I heard finally started to make sense. They weren't just words in a book because at that time I'd already been making like African soap, but I didn't understand what it meant when they said that, you know, the roasting process made something an alkaline and that's why it was antibacterial in your skin. Like these were words that made sense scientifically, I guess, but it didn't make sense to me because I didn't know anything about what a skin's pH was, you know? Mm-hmm. So it took then going to aesthetic school and learning about the science and the, you know, physiology of skin 
that all of the things that I had already learned really clicked. But that was why it was such a easy jump from there to synthesized ingredients and to chemistry, which is what we're going to talk about today, because all of these natural ingredients really are the basis of modern pharmacology and it's the basis of modern organic chemistry and it's the yes. basis of medicine as we know it. I was just thinking it. that. Exactly. Yeah. That's what's so cool about it. And also, I think it's important, and I tell this to my clients, like, don't like stress yourself out. You don't have to choose natural or not natural. Like, mm-hmm. you can use whatever products you want. You can use one quote unquote natural product and then maybe the next thing you layer on is more synthesized. Like that's okay. You can do both. I looked at like fashion. You could do high end, low end. Exactly. I think there's like a weird thing of like, well, I only use natural, which is also fine. Totally. But like you can do it all. There's room for both. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think, look, like anything in life, it's not black or white. The best comes in the gray area and the gray area is where like you at home are going to figure out what works best for your skin. It's not going to be what we tell you today. It's going to be what you've learned over a lifetime mixed with what you're going to learn today, mixed with what you're going to learn tomorrow. And with all of that stuff, you're going to figure out what's best for you. Love that. Love it too. Be yourself. (laughs) Oh, also in this episode, we have a special guest, the owner of Scotch Porter. His name is Calvin Qualis. Scotch Porter is a men's grooming and wellness brand that was created by Calvin literally in his kitchen. The products are handmade with botanical infusions, and they provide a solution to hair and skin problems that his peers were experiencing in their neighborhood barbershop in Newark, New Jersey. Also, I kind of said barbershop. Barbershop. <laughs> it's a barbershop. It sounds like I'm at a barbershop. Like that's, I feel like that's just how men talk there. It's like, yeah, how's it going? That's how New York is talking. Um, we drop our R's. Don't you ever apologize for that, Shapiro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But their ingredients are very carefully researched, all natural. Yeah. And just really cool. I think it's cool when someone is just like, okay, because I've thought about this with clients where I'm like, I really need to make this because a lot of my clients need this. Yes. But this dude was like, yeah, my clients need this and I'm actually going to go and just make it myself because it doesn't exist. Totally. And there aren't a ton of men's lines. Like the men's skincare, hair care, body care category isn't like... The women's category in that, like, we know, Mm -hmm. like, we've been doing this shit because it's always been catered towards us. You know, it's only been so recent that men are allowed to have feelings (laughs) and to, like, care about their skin and to care about the ingredients that are in their skin, which is, like, ridiculous within their skin care, which is bananas. I told you my dad told me once, like, oh, I thought only gay men, like, took no, their skin. No, Andy! <laughs> I was like, what? I'm like, so that's why you wash your face with hand soap? Right. Because <laughs> you're like, well, I'm not gay, so I guess I don't deserve to use nice things on my face. Andy, come on, you deserve better than that. Well, now there's Scotch Porter. Yeah, this will be a good gift. We'll have to revisit this at the end of the year when we're all like, what the fuck do we buy our dads? Because what do you ever buy a fucking 60-year-old man? Totally. Uh, This is so funny. But as um, Calvin and I discussed, I think, like, you know, things have changed. Men are allowed to care about, allowed to. Within society, Within society. I'm going to hold on to that. Allowed to now societally, like, care about themselves, you know, admit that they have feelings, admit that they don't maybe want toxins in their skincare. And, you know, I likened it to when certain fast food restaurants were like, now with all white meat, it's like, well, what the fuck were you giving us before? God damn. Like, so that actually wasn't chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is how we're going to say that without exactly. saying it wasn't chicken. Yeah. So men's products are now allowed to be made, allowed to announce that they're made with all natural <laughs> botanicals and ingredients. And yeah, I love that Calvin's a pioneer. He's really working on it over there, doing it for the men's. I respect it. Love it. 
Okay, so before we jump into this episode, I have a question for you beauty baddies. And maybe I just answered it in saying beauty baddies. But we are an all-inclusive podcast. We love all of our listeners. And I say girl a lot. But it's just really, it's a cultural thing, you know? Within Black culture, within my culture, I say girl to everybody. Sometimes you be talking to a dude and I call him girl. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry. But I don't want to be exclusive of any listeners. And so maybe it's that I just need to say beauty baddies instead of girl. But is there a term that you can tell us we should use instead? I honestly, sincerely, I don't want to ever be exclusive. I love everybody and I always want to be inclusive. And I've been hearing that girl ain't it. So tell me what's it. (laughs) Because we love you beauty baddies and we always want to be inclusive. So let us know. Yes, please What's don't call leave you? Elizabeth just calling <laughs> random people on the street beauty baddies. I can't call everybody a beauty baddie, but I guess I can't call everybody girl either. I don't know. I just don't talk to men all that often. It's true. Sir. <laughs> that's sir. Like, that's what I call men. Hello, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Mister. Anyway, let's go. So today we're doing our first in a series of hippie shit. We're talking to you about botanicals. We're talking to you about herbs. I can't fucking wait. Let's jump into it. Let's do it. Okay, so the first thing that I want to say is I got most of this information from Michael Castleman's book, The New Healing Herbs. Before we can talk about carrier oils and essential oils, I think it's really important to start with the most basic part, which are herbs and botanicals. And so herbs and botanicals have been used by humans as medicine dating all the way back to prehistoric humans. So... At first, early humans would rub strong-smelling herbs on their bodies to repel insects and hide their scent from animals that they either feared or hunted. And later, the fragrant herbs would be the first perfumes and embalming mixtures. So I loved reading about this because my first thought was skin so soft. Oh, my God. (laughs) I miss that smell. I think I need to buy some. I wonder if it still smells the same. It does still exist, but I want to find like the old shit on eBay. Yeah, yeah. I don't want the new, I don't want the new remix of Skin So Soft. I want the 90s Avon Skin So Soft. Like they'll sell it, but there's probably a disclaimer. Like you shouldn't actually put this on your skin. It's 30 years old. (laughs) They're probably like, this is not for repelling insects. This is to make your skin so soft. But that 100% reminds me of Missy League softball. What does it remind you of? Just being a child. It reminds me of summer camp. Oh, I love that. As a kid. And I felt very mature spraying that on myself. Really? Yeah, like I smelled like I had perfume on. I love that. I did not. No, I didn't feel like I had perfume on. I felt like, make these fucking bugs stop biting me. Oh, you like knew that it wasn't sophisticated. I was like, Avon, this is for women. Oh, but you know what? Knowing Sharice, I bet that that was just, Sharice is just bougie. So she was like, don't use that, you know, whatever they use off. Use this Avon. Skin so soft. Skin so soft, baby. We should buy like the modern day one and see what it's like. Okay, well, I want both. If somebody's out there and they've got the 90s recipe and they can send that to us. recipe. Let's contact Avon headquarters. Honestly, are they affiliated with the Girl Scouts? Because to me, they're one and the same. Honestly. Honestly. Okay, something that I thought was really interesting and that I've thought about this many times. <laughs> Just wondering how people in prehistoric times like preserved their food. I knew there was a way, but then part of me was like, well, maybe they just killed the animal and ate all that shit right then and there. Yeah, except did you see that movie um, Into the Wild? Yes, 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 yes. Remember he killed that moose? Yes. And then within like 20 minutes... The fucking flies were there. The maggots were there. Like that shit happens fast. fast. But then I also thought like maybe people's bodies in prehistoric times just could tolerate like eating rotting flesh. I don't fucking know. I mean, what do we know? You're right. We're not goddamn anthropologists. We're estheticians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but come to find out that because they had no refrigeration 
and food spoiled really quickly because of that, they used aromatic herbs to do two things. They figured out that eating stinky food was going to fucking kill you (laughs) or make you really sick. (laughs) So they'd put the herbs on the food to stop it from smelling. But what it also did was slow the process of spoilage. And so they had good tasting food because it had herbs, but also it wasn't fucking rotting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty fucking cool. And then thanks to modern science, we know that the oils that give aromatic herbs their fragrance and flavor contain antimicrobial compounds that kill food spoiling and disease causing microorganisms. So like, for example, rosemary and sage have food preservative action. Um, that's comparable to commercial preservatives, which is pretty fucking crazy. I love and that. And some prehistoric person, just one, there's only one, <laughs> was like, yeah, everyone stop eating rotting meat and dying. Yeah. This is what we could do. Yeah. But I think that's really crazy. Something that just grows from the earth. Totally. Can yeah. help preserve your food. Yeah. Well, I was reading that also. Totally. I was reading also that they these same humans were like watching what the animals were doing. So they would see like what the animals would eat to kind of like not necessarily stop, obviously, food from spoiling because they weren't going back for seconds in that same way. But in terms of finding what would work like as medicine, they would be like, what would the animals eat? Like if they were feeling sick or something, how they would know if the animals were sick? I don't know. But they're following what the animals were doing. They're tasting like the same herbs that they're doing because we're just animals at the same at the end of the day. So I love this. It's totally... (laughs) the actual word of organic (laughs) figuring out what from the ground is going to help to help us in all of these different ways and in finding things that made you feel better they're just like well this makes me feel better so maybe we'll like put this on this stinky shit maybe that'll make it better and by trial and error and probably a bunch of people dying along the way (laughs) definitely (laughs) they just figured it out this is awesome it's pretty cool people are smart but maybe the animals are smarter well i mean uh, evolution is great. Yeah. Not to turn this into, you know, uh, yeah, I'm so glad we have refrigerators. Podcast. Thank you, Frigidaire. Yes. Thank you. Also, that's the other thing is I always think about this, especially during the summer. How the fuck did we survive before refrigeration in New York City? The smells. Could you imagine Dude, when you read um, historic temperatures in New York? Yes. City, like it'll be a, a day in July, let's say. And there will be like <laughs> 1901. Yeah. The hot last hottest day on record. 102 degrees in New York City. Imagine, bitch, you're in petticoats, (laughs) fucking skirts and shit. It's so hot. Ain't no ice. I mean, maybe they had ice. No, well, okay, maybe. But there's a whole story that I heard in the Bowery Boys about the the ice. (gasps) About ice coming to New York. It came all the way from Maine. And there wasn't a refrigeration, girl. So even if the ice did come, it was, like, very limited. They didn't have ice in July. I would just sleep on bags of ice. In March? No, I mean in the summer. <laughs> there wasn't, girl, you weren't rich. There wasn't any ice. Back then I was. <laughs> in my past life. <laughs> okay, I love this. So how far back are we going? Because, well, we're talking about herbs and spices, right? And we're talking about our old ancestors. Ancient herbal traditions include Chinese, Ayurvedic, Uh, which is in India, European, which includes Egyptian and Native American. So the cool thing I think about what we're speaking about today is that each of these ancient cultures were largely isolated from one another, oftentimes by thousands of miles, but they arrived at similar uses for a lot of healing herbs and largely by trial and error, which is what we were kind of just talking about, 
But it shows how integral a lot of these ingredients were to human survival. So something that I loved about the Healing Herbs book was it does a really awesome job of weaving the interconnectedness of all of these ancient cultures to one another through herbs and spices. And so I loved it because, you know, you and I always talk about... I mean, that's the point of the podcast, right? Is how even though we're all so different, we're all so similar. And something that's so fucking dope is like we were all just trying to survive. We were all just trying to figure out like how to make life a little bit better. And if we can try this medicine, this little herb, see what that bunny's eating over there. You know, like, well, he ate that and didn't die. Let's try it. <laughs> Let's give it a go. And we all kind of arrived at similar conclusions. So I think that's fucking awesome. And why? It's because it's fucking medicine, dudes. Yeah. OK, well, I think that's also just a really cool part of all of this is that a lot of modern medicines, it's synthesized versions of these molecules that give specific plants their medicinal powers were derived from these natural ingredients. Yeah. These natural things found in natural things found in nature. <laughs> yeah. But that's fucking cool. Totally. So I think if you're ever feeling like you're being hard on yourself because you're not using natural things, I don't know, just remind yourself something you're using is probably derived from years and years and years ago. Someone in another country found this herb, but then it got turned into something else. Yeah. So it probably was natural at one point. <laughs> uh, so according to the, a report in the Journal of Science, about 75% of pharmaceuticals derived from plants came to the attention of drug companies because of their use in traditional herbal medicine. So fuck yeah, Shapiro, you're right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think like modern pharmacology wasn't born until like the early 1800s when a German chemist extracted the first drug from an herbal source and it was morphine from the fucking opium poppy. Mm -hmm. That's wild. That's pretty cool. And then a little later on, another German chemist achieved the first synthesis of an organic compound from an inorganic compound. And then also in addition to morphine, they isolated aspirin from willow bark which is found in nature. Which you find in so many natural skincare products. Mm -hmm. We'll touch on that later when we start to talk about products and yes. ingredients. Uh, caffeine from coffee, menthol from peppermint, and ephedrine, which is the same decongestant in fucking Sudafed. So if someone says you're not using natural products, be like, I take Sudafed. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so also when I was reading about this, they... <laughs> I, oh, I, I wanted to say that ephedrine comes from um, Chinese ephedra. Yes, which is also Fen Fen is what I'm trying to get to from oh, the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> from the 90s Fen Fen. Probably made you shit yourself. Yeah, from all those weight loss uh, diet pills and everything. So maybe, you know. Dude, the 90s were a weird time for weight loss things. I was wild. But I just loved that. Like there is definitely like a cautionary tale within this book of like, do not use ephedra for weight loss. It is an amphetamine. Amphetamines are illegal. Let's not do it. <laughs> Let's not do it. So, okay. Something that well, I know definitely... amphetamines aren't illegal. Amphetamines, like pure, well, they're not illegal, but you have to have a prescription. That's why, like, methamphetamine is definitely illegal. <laughs> Girl, don't be telling. We know that's not legal, but amphetamine, like. Um, amphetamine's not illegal. Adderall is an amphetamine. That's true, but you can't be get selling on the street. You can't be selling it in Fenfen, Girl. Fen Fen somehow was like, we're going to slip through the crack. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and we're going to make everyone shit their pants. It's definitely one of those things that made everyone shit themselves. I love that this is like the rock that you stand and you're like, no, Fen Fen's fine. Amphetamines are fine. <laughs> Not that they're fine, just that like, yeah, you can be taking them. <laughs> so far away from where I wanted to go with this. What I did want to mention really quick is that we talk about herbs and botanicals in skincare, but the reality with 
herbs and botanicals and with civilizations and humanity is women oftentimes were the people that were within these communities that were the people that were sourcing these ingredients, that were figuring out how to keep us alive, how to not eat fucking spoiled, rotten food, how to smell good, right? All of these things. And I want to bring this up because this was something that I actually fucking loved learning about and it had never crossed my mind that there's a theory, there's a feminist theory, that one of the reasons that the witch trials started in Europe was because the Catholic Church saw the decline in birth rates and within these uh, communities, who were the people that were helping women with contraceptives? Who were the people that were helping women with abortion or with like birth control, period? It was these women who are herbalists because women found out hundreds of years ago how to control the rate of our pregnancy by using all these different herbs. And so when they saw, again, this is just a theory. This is not Elizabeth's theory. This is a feminist theory. When the Catholic Church saw that the birth rate was declining, they said, how do we get people to start having more babies? Let's go after these so-called witches and let's put them on trial and let's just like end birth control, essentially. Again, not to turn this into a political podcast because I see what's going on in Oklahoma, but I just think it's so interesting that one, women have always been taking our lives into our own hands. We've always been working so hard to control the rate of our birth because if not, like that children are, you know, the future, but also just so much to raise. It's dangerous. It's always been very, very dangerous for women to give birth. And so there's a lot of reasons as to why women would want to control the rate of their pregnancy. But I just thought that it was dope as shit that the original witches were just bad bitches that were like, maybe I don't want that for my life. Maybe I must find some fen-fen mixed with something else (laughs) and figure something out. I would have definitely been a witch. A hundred percent. If at least for the fact that I would have been trying to... Not have 13 kids. Yeah. Because like that's the other thing. Even if you want one, it's not like you can just have one and stop. Like men want to be fucking. (laughs) Look, also women want to be fucking. Let's keep it real. I'm being honest. They do. They want to fucking not get pregnant they always. They want to fucking not get pregnant always. And that's like the reality of this. And so I just feel like it's important to talk about when we're talking about herbs and botanicals and beauty. It's important to touch on this topic because this was yes. one of the reasons as to why we wanted to learn about all of these herbs. And this is also one of the reasons why we were oppressed and fucking burned at the stake, bitch. But thank you, nature. <laughs> thank you, nature. As always. Nature giveth and it taketh away. Okay, so going back, back in time, even from medieval time, this was a really cool little anecdote that I thought. So I always wondered why the fuck the the sign for, like, medicine had the snake around it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That don't make no fucking sense. So it turns out that back, back, back in the day... The early Greeks viewed illness as a divine curse, and they prayed to Apollo, the god of medicine, for recovery. But in Greek mythology, Apollo had a son, Escupulus. I think that is how you pronounce it. I'm really butchering this name. I apologize. But Escupulus was a physician like God, and he treated the sick with the help from his daughters, Hygienia and Panacea which obviously we get the names, the words for hygiene and a panacea means cure-all. Anyway, so when ill, the early Greeks would visit the temples that were dedicated to Escupulus. And so physician priests treated them, uh, the ill, with baths, exercise, massage, fasting, prayer, herbs, counseling. I mean, treatment culminated in animal sacrifices, which I don't really think is fucking cool, but 
It's fine. Anyway, so one is, I think this was awesome because essentially they sent them to the spa, Alex. So they were sending them to come hang with you and I. Ancient, ancient versions of estheticians. But also snakes were sacred to Escapulus and they slithered freely around the temple grounds. And so an omen of imminent recovery was to have a snake lick a patient's wounds. So because of this. Wow. I know. How wild. So because of this, snake tongues became symbols of healing and they remained ingredients in medicinal potions well into the medieval ages. It's interesting the things that just stay the same. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like we still have that fucking snake as like a symbol of medicine. Still slithering around that little red cross. Like whatever. How wild. So I just thought that was super, super cool. That's really fucking cool. That herbs, all these things have always been used to heal people and I think that that's a really great segue into our conversation with Calvin Qualis. We hope you enjoy our chat with Calvin. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Calvin Qualis, founder and CEO of Scotch Border, men's personal care line. Awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about your background, like how you came to create your brand, Scotch Porter? Sure. Um, so I'll try to I'll try to keep it as condensed as possible. Um, but my story really does start with uh, as a kid growing up in my mom's beauty parlor and barbershop and spending just a tremendous amount of time there. Uh, me and my brother uh, every evening and weekend was spent there. Hated it as a kid, uh, but definitely appreciate it kind of looking back. Um, I'd say some of the uh, most memorable times or fondest times from that experience was watching people come into the barbershop. Pretty intuitive kid, and somehow I could sense which ones didn't necessarily feel the best. They sit in my mom's chair, one of the other barbers in stylish chair, and sort of be transformed, get up, look in the mirror, pop the collar, and walk out with an entirely new step. Um, and that really resonated with me. And what resonated the most uh, with me in that experience was this ability that my mom and the other barbers and stylists had in helping people to feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, went to college, you know, uh, struggled in college because it seemed like everyone around me had it all figured out by like junior or senior year. And I felt a little wander uh, less and didn't really have any direction, didn't know what I was going to do with my life, didn't even know what I was going to have for, for like lunch or dinner. So in some <laughs> ways, um, I pegged myself um, sort of as a loser. I, I, in hindsight, I definitely wasn't a loser. Just like most kids, hadn't figured it all out. Just everyone around me seemed like they had it all figured out. But I do recall on some of the, the those toughest weeks, I'd take the last $20 I had in my, in my pocket, would go get a haircut and would kind of leave the barbershop feeling like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. So from my own personal experiences, growing up in my mom's shop and visiting barbershops, and I'm due for a haircut this weekend, mm-hmm. I've always understood how personal care, self-care could help one feel better about themselves, kind of change a funky week or, or your mood around, it really helps one to feel better about themselves. Um, fast forward, post-college, did what most folks are told to do, went and got a job. It happened to be, first job was working at a design firm. Last job was working in market research uh, in the finance department. Paid good, but in many ways, it was definitely a, a soulless uh, job. And I guess a career for some. But I knew that that wasn't for me. I just hadn't figured out what was for me. 
But I did know that I wanted to do something definitely more meaningful, much more impactful. And that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to have sort of regrets, uh, you know, later on in life, kind of checking it to work at a job that was soulless. And so I began this search and trying to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And as fate would have it, one evening coming home from a long, miserable day of work, spotted this brownstone building, sort of had an epiphany from my time growing up in my mom's shop, my own personal experiences visiting barbershops and decided to open up a barbershop. I did that. And I'd say almost immediately, uh, about six months later, after having that epiphany, opened up a barbershop and almost immediately spotted an issue. Many of the customers dry, frizzy, damaged hair and beards. Again, bored with the daytime desk job, went home, became sort of a kitchen chemist, learned everything I could about natural ingredients and botanicals, and began crafting products from the kitchen of my home that I'd bring back to the shop, hand off to the barbers and customers and would get feedback. Folks loved it, launched the products in our barbershop, had really good reception and people coming in from neighboring states like New York and Connecticut. Our shop was located in Newark, New Jersey. And then shortly thereafter, decided to launch a dot-com to make it a bit more convenient for those folks had some success with our dot-com business and then ventured off into retail. So that's a story. And I think what gets me most excited about building uh, our business um, is around our mission, which is helping men to feel their best and live their best, most fulfilled lives. Wow. I love that. That's truly, truly an organic story from your childhood to, you know, trying to figure out what you wanted to do with your life to looking at like what made you feel good and wanting to pass that on to others. That's so beautiful and also very similar to, you know, what Alex, my partner and I strive to do every day in our beauty shop, because we totally understand how self-esteem, mental health is so tied in with beauty, but especially for men and especially for men of color, you know, it's not really culturally, things are changing, thankfully, but, you know, for a long time, it wasn't acceptable to talk about feelings, right? To talk about like how you're doing or even to talk about like, oh, I want to take care of myself and look good, right? It was like all that a man could do was just like, man goes to work, man makes money, man goes home, right? (laughs) And it's like a totally different landscape, I think, where where men are really able to be more whole. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Dynamics, uh, things have changed quite a bit and uh, changed for the good, right? So excited about it. Will you... um, Will you tell us a little bit about what drew you to starting with using natural ingredients? I'm also kind of like a kitchen chemist, I suppose. And so I'm always I love meeting other kitchen chemists. So what made you think, first of all, you know what? There's a problem, but I could do it. I could solve it. (laughs) Like what drew you to to problem solving in that way? I feel like that is one of the gifts that I have. I've always been a pretty good problem solver and eager to solve problems like since a kid. And so, you know, going into having a barbershop and noticing, you know, some of the complaints of our customers and what they were looking for, I kind of thought that as like a really fun activity, right? Again, working in finance, that wasn't very creative at all. And so this allowed me the opportunity to kind of flex my creative muscles while also solving a problem that our customers had. And I think that's what drew me to it. In terms of sort of why there was a focus on natural ingredients, to be honest with you, it's a little bit selfish. Mm -hmm. And then I was home making these products and touching them every day and just didn't want to expose myself or my family to, you know, healthy, toxic ingredients is sort of like the impetus behind how we started using uh, healthy, uh, you know, botanicals and, and, and herbs and whatnot. So 
um, that's kind of what drew me to using botanicals and natural products uh, versus the unhealthy stuff. Yeah, um, I love that. So where was your first starting point when you went into the kitchen and you were like, okay, my customers are having issues. Where do I start? How did you begin? So the very first thing was like reading everything I could about natural botanicals and butters and emollients and you know, plant materials and just a whole host of ingredients that I could use. I also had a family member who knew uh, how to make lotions and whatnot, right? And create emulsions, right? She did not know how to make hair care products, which she clearly told me that is a whole different beast uh, Mm -hmm. when it comes to hair care products, especially for textured hair. Um, But she showed me the basics on how to make lotions and emulsions. And I kind of leverage that knowledge that I have from her and tinkering with that kind of stuff to then incorporating botanicals and certain ingredients that are known for helping with with retaining moisture or helping with scalp issues and tinkering with products in the kitchen. And I had the barbershop. So it was a it was a fantastic sort of testing ground, right, to bring products back to the shop and kind of hand them off to the customers and get feedback. Um And so, and it took about two years to get a line of products that we felt really good about and that the customers love, but I enjoyed that process. I love that this started from like, you had a family member that kind of knew where to lead you because I've been doing a lot of research into herbs and botanicals and doing... and my own thinking of like, where did I come into this industry and what what sort of uh, stirred my curiosity? And I love finding that these things are so ancient, right? These these things that we've been using to soften our hair and to soften our skin and to add moisture. We've been doing this for centuries and it's kind of become for so long. It was this thing that we passed down generation after generation. And then a time came where like nobody was making anything at home anymore. And then you and I, I think are about the same age. And so I feel like we both came into like kind of the the renaissance of all natural, right? Before yep. everything was organic. Um, so I love that you and I are kind of on the same path to yeah. to kind of discovery. Um, so uh, you recently released a fragrance line, right? Yeah, we released the fragrance line. It was around the time of the pandemic and, you know, folks were indoors and I've always known fragrance to have sort of like transporting abilities is what I call it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you smell a, a particular note or a fragrance and it has the ability to make you happy, you can get like outdoor vibes. It can be a great pick-me-up and, and a mood booster. And so the, the impetus or thought behind launching fragrances at that time was just that, right? We're all indoors, uh, finding moments to kind of boost folks' spirit, kind of transport people to sort of uh, places that they've been uh, that they can't (laughs) currently go to, Mm -hmm. or um, just just a mood booster. And so we launched four fragrances. One was Miami Duppy, which happens to be uh, my favorite. And uh, that is more of an opportunistic, happy vibe, kind of reminds you of like turning up in Miami, right? It's a smoky blend. Then there is Badlands. Badlands is more of an outdoor kind of vibe. Reminds you of like Badlands, the national park or, you know, uh, putting on sweats and like taking a walk in the park. And then there's Glenwood. Glenwood is where I actually started Scotch Porter and the business. And it just gives you sort of vibes about like opportunity uh, and and kind of what awaits on the other side of this pandemic is kind of what I was thinking about when we launched Glenwood. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the whole notion behind launching our fragrance line was, you know, really a mood booster and kind of transporting people to special places and times. (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So you mentioned that one of the things that you really wanted to accomplish with building your brand was just focusing on men's wellness and um, being a mission-based company. So can you kind of speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, it's incredibly important to us. It's why I started the business. It runs through the DNA of the business. I mean, if you take a look at our social profiles or if you look at, you know, our email communications or the conversations that we have with customers, uh, yeah, you'll see product in there, but you'll also see us having conversations about sexual wellness and, you know, the importance of eating right. I myself have been on a journey for like the past two years and have lost quite a bit of pounds. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And am in a much uh, healthier place. Um, conversations around mental uh, wellness. So we have a whole host of conversations and we really do take a 360 degree approach to wellness. And we think that grooming is a part of wellness, but grooming is just very surface level. And so we take a 360 degree approach to wellness that includes a whole host of information and topics. And our job really here is to, to arm men with the tools needed to live their best, most fulfilled lives. And so we stand by that. That is our mission. And so that that's what we provide to our customers. I love that. I'm curious if men come to you or if that's part of your mission also is to educate about how to take care of their skin and hair and beard. Men do absolutely come to us when they purchase our products and, you know, have questions on how to use the product with how to best get the best use of the product. Um, I would say that the approach is, is likely different than sort of uh, women. Uh, men uh, have come quite a quite a long way. Uh, but you won't see many men sort of doing a tremendous amount of YouTube videos on, you know, how to achieve sort of the perfect beard or not, not the same way that you will see women. So I think that we have, I think we have some ways to go there, but I do find it interesting that while we're having conversations around, uh, wellness as a whole, that there are questions around things that you wouldn't expect folks to have for a grooming company along the lines of like sexual wellness and hosting, you know, events where we talk about mental wellness like that. That really surprised me mm. um, in terms of the feedback that we got from customers about how helpful that was, you know, to them and the value that they got in it. So yeah, guys do come to us for advice on grooming, um, but they also come to us for advice on a whole host of things that round out uh, wellness. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your products line? Like what are the different lines that you have? And I, I guess I'm also curious about what the landscape of men's grooming looked like before your uh, company entered it. Our line consists of we have we have a beard line of products. We have a hair care line of products that is focused on textured hair care for men. Our beard care lineup is specifically to hydrate and nourish, you know, the beard, have it looking really, really good. Uh, hair care line is focused on textured hair care for men. And so it's a focus around achieving really great waves and coils and, and curls. Um, and then we have our skin and body care line and our fragrance line. So beard here, 
body care and fragrance is our current lineup. In terms of the landscape and how it's changed, I'd say when we first launched in 2015, I would absolutely say that men didn't seem as interested in sort of taking like this more holistic approach to grooming and thinking about like regimens. And what's interesting is like over the past one or two years since the pandemic, we are seeing that men are definitely taking more of a holistic approach and they're incorporating regimens, right? It used to be, give me the four in one, right? (laughs) I could wash my hair, my face, my beard, my body and condition everything like in one product. I'm exaggerating, but but definitely like the three in ones was a thing. And now we're finding that men are much more interested in not having the three in ones because they realize that it doesn't, uh, it's not as efficient or effective. Um, and they're into um, utilizing regimens and finding time for self-care. So um, I think that that has changed quite a bit. Yeah, I, especially we have the time now, as you were saying, like with post-pandemic, right? It's like the five <laughs> the five in one, which yes, it's still out there. I see the commercials. I, I see you, Old Spice. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's like you have the time, but also we're, we're spending more time with ourselves. We're spending more time looking in the mirror, touching our hair. Like if I had hair covering my entire body, I would want it to feel at least smell nice, right? Like it's here, you know, so like it's about time that somebody started addressing that. So I love this. I love this for you guys out there. Absolutely. (laughs) Also, I know that you briefly touched on this, but would you speak a little bit more to the natural botanicals that you use and the natural ingredients that you guys use and sort of how that also feeds into your mission. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of our products are infused with ingredients like kale protein or burdock root or um, white willow bark or like this pomegranate enzymes that we use. Aloe is a, is a big ingredient. Lots of really great butters uh, and oils like shea and moringa and some other very interesting um, oils that we use. Um, another is that we do not, there's over 1400 ingredients that are not included that we will not use that are not a part of our, uh, ingredient list. Um, ingredients that are harmful or toxic or endocrine disruptors that we will not use in our products. And also some of those ingredients that we will not use are like parabens and sulfates and silicones and BHE and DHA and formaldehyde disruptors and releasers. So there's a whole host of ingredients that we will not use. And it dovetails into our mission, right? If we're talking about helping men to feel their best, live their best, most fulfilled lives and serving them products that are known to be toxic or harmful, I'm I'm not sure that we live up to our mission. I'm actually positive that we cannot live up to that mission doing that. And so we're very, very intentional about the ingredients that are not in our products, more so than the ingredients that are in our products. No, I love that. And, you know, it's an interesting way to look at it because we're professional estheticians, right? So we're always looking at the ingredients, like what are we putting into it? What are we putting into it? But you're right. There's a bigger landscape where maybe we should be looking at what are we not going to put into it? Because once you start to take all of those things out and you're kind of looking at what is left to put in, it's which came first, the chicken or the egg in this country anyway, right? (laughs) When you were saying all the things that you guys leave out, I was just thinking, my God, who has formaldehyde in it? (laughs) And I'm sure that there's a lot of places, right? It's like when McDonald's was like, oh, now it's all white meat chicken. It's like, what were we eating before? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's incredible. It's just, it's just as important. And it's, you know, we need people that are um, doing the work and bringing this to our attention because my goodness. Absolutely. Again, it's different for us, right? Because we're women. So we're always looking 
at products where, like lipstick we put in our mouth, right? So you kind of have to know, but formaldehyde, my yeah. God. It's interesting. It's interesting. And, and one of the things that we, um, uh, we do it because we know that we're supposed to do it. But, you know, in, in reality, you know, men's care lines are definitely behind when it comes to thinking about that kind of stuff, right? And, you know, the fact that we, you know, we are a clean brand and we don't use particular products, I mean, probably doesn't sound as sexy and exciting from kind of looking at like the women's landscape because many products, there are tons of uh, clean products. There aren't a tremendous amount when you think about men's. Um, Honestly, I can probably count like in terms of thinking about like food, drug, mass, where most consumers shop for personal care products. There aren't many that can claim that. And, um, you know, we fight all the time internally in terms of like, hey, it doesn't seem like as important to men right now. And they're not like really focused on that right now. But we feel very strongly that we need to continue to to own it and that we we will continue to deliver clean products despite what our competitors are doing and how men may not, most men may not be as interested at the current moment. Mm -hmm. So we kind of don't get the credit for it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not yet though. But you know, somebody's got to be a pioneer, right? And being a pioneer means ain't nobody care about you right now. (laughs) (laughs) It means that you're you're, you're creating history before people are ready to accept it. But somebody's got to do it. And when, you know, I think that definitely, I can't speak for men, I can only speak on women, but like Gen Z is... They got their shit together. They know. Yeah, they got the information. Absolutely. They're Googling. They're TikToking. <laughs> they know. Yeah, and totally. they care. Do you know? So yeah. Yeah, I would say in, in five years, I think the landscape is going to look very, very different. And we're going to see the Old Spice clean. Right. Old Spice. Now with 1000%. Like, yeah. Now with papaya <laughs> extract. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, and I know that you guys are in major, major retail stores nationally. Will you just name drop a little bit so we can all uh, clap for you? <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, Target, we're in um, we're in a little over 1500 uh, of the 1900 Target stores. It's almost chainwide distribution there. Uh, Walmart, um, Walmart nationwide, um, and CVS. We're in a little over 2,200 uh, CVS stores, and then uh, we do business with uh, Macy's online. And so, um, really excited about continuing to expand our distribution. And we're about uh, a little over 5,100 doors nationwide. That's incredible. That's really, really Thank incredible. You. Congratulations. Thank I love you. to hear that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our audience before I let you go? Anything else? You know, we we internally as a brand will continue to be focused on our mission, which we're super passionate about. Like it's the reason that gets us out of bed every day. There's a real uh, focus and intention on on really helping men to feel the best, live the best, most fulfilled lives. And we're super excited about our textured hair care launch at Target and have realized that it's an opportunity to speak to men in a language that they understand as it relates to like their curls, coils and waves and how to achieve uh, the best look there. And we're super excited about that with profiles, fragrance profiles that kind of that really resonate with them versus maybe some fragrance profiles that don't really resonate with them. So we're really excited about the launch and, and what that looks like in, in meeting the consumer and, and um, serving his needs as it relates to textured hair care. 
And uh, that's it. That I mean, that's all I really have to share. Yeah, that's all. That's, I mean, you're doing the most. That's enough. <laughs> you guys have a lot that's going on, that, but it's it's all incredible. And it's all, you know, the mission is incredible. And I just think that, you know, when I was growing up, there were very few places that I could look to, especially grew up like in a town of 600 people. We were the only black people. So there's wow. very few places that I could look to see products that were made by me and specifically products that were made by people who looked like me. And yep. so I love love just celebrating brands like yourself. And I love that, you know, there's a lot of women's brands. I don't see so many men's brands that are coming up such as your own. And so I, I love to see it and I love to celebrate you guys. And thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you for you. making the product. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell our audience where they can find you guys on the internet, uh, on social media and everything? Sure. Uh, so scotchporter.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at scotchporter, Twitter, scotchporter. Um, and you can find us uh, offline um, at Target, <laughs> Walmart, and CVS. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Take care. I hope you liked the little chat we had with Calvin. Now, what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about some treatments and product options. Hmm. What you thinking, Shapiro? I'm thinking herbal extracts. Totally. This is a square rectangle situation. Yes. Tinctures are extracts, but not all extracts are tinctures. Alcohol has to be the solvent used to extract the herbal properties from something. So if you're using vinegar, glycerin, water used to dilute alcohol is fine or any solvent other than alcohol, your preparation is an extract, but it's not a tincture. Any spirit may be used, but many herbalists prefer something neutral like vodka. <laughs> no biggie. Something <laughs> neutral like vodka so the taste of the herb comes through casual. But they can be made with fresh or dried flowers, leaves, roots, barks, berries. A good example would be like dried stevia leaf, vanilla beans, dried mushrooms. Dried cannabis. Dried cannabis. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. It's pretty cool. I think that that's probably the way that we're seeing that, like, the average person, the average everyday layperson who doesn't give a shit about herbs and tinctures and all of this hippie shit is in cannabis tinctures and extracts. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Okay, so here's the other thing, right, is we're really trying to be true to just speaking about herbs and botanicals in this episode. So we know that we're not talking about carrier oils. We're not talking about essential oils. And so before you guys come at us, we're not including those things. So with that being said, the other things that you'll see um, herbal extracts in are things like eau de toilettes. Eh, de toilettes. <laughs> Toilet water. <laughs> And my favorite toilet water is Le Labo. So I love Le Labo because they started out as a small perfumery in New York City. And within a small number of years, they got bought, I believe, by Estee Lauder. It might be Elizabeth Arden. But I love this company because one is everybody knows about Santel 35. 33. 33? 33. I don't wear that one. Sorry. I don't know. Lacey wears it. It smells very nice on her. It's very floral. Floral does not smell good on me. Okay. I don't think that it's very floral because floral does smell very good on me. But I think I think it's very like spicy. I think it's very spicy. It has a lot of like deep tobacco notes. I guess it's like things smell different to everyone. Of course. And on, and everyone, on everybody yeah. else. Yeah. So let's talk about my, my dad, Kevin Taylor. Mm. <laughs> 
So when I was a kid, and I know that it you too, whoever's out there listening, many of you I know it you Shapiro, we loved us some Victoria's Secret love spell. I was Tell more sophisticated me. and I liked <laughs> cool water. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Literal toilet water. <laughs> So every bad bitch who wants to be a bad bitch with me <laughs> in the year 2000, we loved Love Spell. It smelled disgusting, but we loved it. And I would douse that shit all over myself. And my dad, I remember, came to me one day and he said, honey, the reason that a woman wears perfume isn't so that when she's coming down the hallway, we smell her all the way at the other end. It's so that when you come close enough to a woman, you can smell the scent, like just smell the scent on the neck. And I said, Dad, what the fuck do you know? <laughs> He's like, a lot more than you. A lot more than you I do. little fucking 12-year-old. And so I love this story because I think about this all the time. But I think about it specifically with this one time when I was walking down the street. And this was so ingrained in my mind. I told Alex this story. I told our friend Sai this story. And then we met this man. And I remembered, oh, this is that motherfucker that walked past me. When I was walking through, I was walking up Manhattan Avenue. And this foin dark-skinned black man, so well-dressed, walked past me. And just as he passed me, I had the scent of Santal 33 hit my nose in such a way that a bitch turned around and said to myself, who the fuck was that? And it turns out that this was this barista Christian. <laughs> Do you remember oh, when we met so Christian? Yes. And I was like, that was the man I told you about who walked past me, who smelled and looked so fucking good. But I like to tell this story because that is like what a fine, beautiful perfume should be that. It's when somebody walks right past you, you get this sense of the smell that's so breathtaking that bitch, your head snaps around and you got to see who the fuck was that that was walking past you. It's not so that when the train doors open, you get a waft of chemical in your face and you're just wondering what is that odor? You think of like the teachers or like the secretary from your elementary school like they all had like very strong very strong musks with like alcohol (laughs) undertones yes the very strong alcoholic musks with undertones is a perfect description of toilet water (laughs) whereas an eau de perfume is so layered and complex and beautiful I guess when it's not cool water it's when it's (laughs) (laughs) eau de perfume is what they sell at Le Labo that's that $300 for like one ounce girl. That's mm-hmm. what I'm leaving here and going to get for my birthday present because mm-hmm. you buy yeah. it once a year and you give two spritzes and it's so concentrated that there's layers that the layers slowly over time will drift off of you. So like you smell one layer and then another and then another, which is why perfumes smell different on different people because the whole scent doesn't give off at the same time. It's the layers as they slowly evaporate off of your scent. You smell mm, different. Sounds so nice. Yeah, different depths like of when it. when your body's warm. Yes, exactly. And so that's why you want to get something that's really, really beautiful and really, really complex and something that's made with these really beautiful concentrated herbal extracts. So that was my long-winded story wow. of telling y'all about some herbal extracts. Love it. Christian, I hope you out there. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny. So tell the people about Herbal Essences, girl. The shampoo? Tell the people about the shampoos. <laughs> Herbal Essences. Okay, I'm, it's even funny because the packaging is even very, like, remember it was clear and you could see some, like, florals yeah. in the back. Yes. 
There's definitely some natural elements of it. Mm-hmm. There are definitely some extracts in there, right? They mm-hmm. had to be. I'm sure. I think there were. I think if it says extract, it's an extract. I think so. And I think that a lot of products have that. And that is also like another way to show that even if a product isn't quote unquote natural, there are probably natural elements yeah. to a lot of the products that we buy. Well, I think that that's something that we see all over the place right now with products calling themselves natural or being greenwashed as we speak about or actually being natural is that there's all of these different ways to make herbal extracts and herbal tinctures is you can go the organic route, which is actually, you know, taking the herbs and sinking, like putting them into the alcohols and really trying to pull like pull out their properties. And then there's like the route of like going into the lab and extracting the properties that way or creating like inorganic compounds that replicate what the natural products would make. But that's why also in America, we can call lots of things natural. We can call lots of things all natural. We can call lots of things even organic if we really, really push it because it means all these different things. So I think at the end of the day, herbal essences, they ain't lying. They write. (laughs) Just me no better. It's just an essence. (laughs) It's just an essence. They didn't say that it was all natural. (laughs) They didn't say it's all natural. They just, they said there's herbal extracts. Actually... In the song, natural botanicals. Okay, but they don't say all natural. They say there are natural <laughs> botanicals in there. But I think that that's like kind of the first part of closing our hippie shit part one is a lot of you guys will write us in and you'll say like, what about this natural? What about that natural? What about, you know, this list or that list? Is it's also complicated. And like our job, I think, largely is to give you the tools to be able to make your own decisions, to give you the resources to be like, Yes, they're telling the truth or nah, fuck that. Or I don't have the time. I just want to, I know I always bring it back to Lena because that's why Lena, <laughs> Lena's just such a bad bitch. Lena Karez, my favorite Greek woman ever. I just want to trust Lena. Lena, I believe, is doing the right thing. I don't have the time. Sorry, in case you didn't listen to this episode, Lena is the founder of Karez, which you've probably seen their line at Sephora and other retailers. Uh, But we interview her in episode 94. Mm -hmm. And so now you know what we're talking about. It's an incredible episode. We love her. She's an incredible woman. And she's a woman after my own heart because she is an engineer. And she loves her country so much. And she loves botanicals so much that she really, really works to engineer these incredible ingredients into her formulations. So that's what I mean. It's like sometimes you don't have the time to go and you look up every ingredient over the bottle of fucking herbal essences and Google every ingredient. But sometimes you just want to say, I trust somebody like Lena. I trust that whatever it is that Lena puts in here is going to be what it is that I use. And like you can substitute Lena for whoever, whatever founder of whatever company you want, if that's what you want to do. But just like we just want to give you the tools to be a badass beauty babe. Like a beauty baddie or something? Like a beauty baddie. Out there making your own decisions, not following what anybody tells you to do, following what you want to do. Totally. And with that, we should probably tell you where you can get natural raw ingredients. Everything we've talked about today. Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing that Elizabeth and I, this is like just one of the many things where like when we became friends, we're like, we both love this website, Mm -hmm. uh, Mountain Rose Herbs. Yes. It's Mm mountainroseherbs.com. And you can get lots of raw ingredients there. You can make your own skincare. They have some skincare that's already formulated. They've got a great blog too, where they'll teach you like what, if you want to DIY, they'll teach you how to do like really simple products and remedies. And it's, it's a really, really great resource and it's really affordable and very affordable. And they're, they're one of us. This lady sings to the plants. She sings to the goddamn plants. She is 
a hippie for sure. <laughs> so we want to support them as much as possible and send all of our beauty baddies to support them as well. Also, if you're interested in Calvin's line, Scotch Porter, you can purchase that at Target, Walmart, CVS, or on their actual website, scotchporter.com. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Catland in Bushwick. <laughs> you can also Google them and buy off their website, I'm pretty sure, but they have lots and lots of herbs. Yes. It's a witchy store. It's a really Ooh. cool store. So if you live in New York or you're visiting and you go to Bushwick, you should go to Catland. We love witchy stores. Well, I've told you about um, the foraging tours that I've gone on yes. around the city with yes. wild man Steve Brill. You yes. guys should look him up if you're local to New York. Okay, first of all, he's a badass. Like in the 70s, he got arrested in Central Park because he was, I don't know if he was doing a tour or if just he himself he was eating some edible plants in the park. <laughs> and the park rangers was like, were like, you can't do that. And he's like, yeah, I can. Like I'm taking from the plant in such a way that it's still going to keep growing. Like, right. I'm not damaging anything. Also, New York City, what do you care about the foliage? Like that's what you're dealing with in the 70s? In the 70s. In the 70s. There was so much crazy shit going on. I'm surprised they even were putting money towards park rangers. <laughs> <laughs> but he then turned this into a career of doing foraging tours in parks around the city. It's Love really this. fucking cool. I've gone to a bunch of his tours over the years. And anytime I go on a tour, I think about just like years and years ago. I'm like, there were people who also knew that these were edible plants. And I wonder if people survived off them or used them for medicine. Of course. I mean, he's so knowledgeable. He'll pick something and be like, okay, this, you can use this on mosquito bites or you can use this on whatever. You can eat this. Yes. Crazy and just really cool. And I think that I like it because number one, I like hippie ship. And number two, I like anything that just kind of takes me back in time. Totally. But I don't know. Check them out. Also, um, I want to shout out the Black Forager on Instagram. And I want to shout her out because actually Alex told me about this Instagram handle and we've tried to get her on the show, but I don't think she checks her DMs because she a baddie. And she's like, I don't need y'all. She's too busy. <laughs> I'm too busy. But the Black Forager, I think, is awesome because it's this woman who literally does that. I believe she lives in Ohio, but she goes out into her yard and she just teaches you about all of the different herbs and berries and foliage that's right in your backyard that you can use to make like jams or custards or like herbs. And the reason that I love it is because her mission really is because, you know, foraging is what kept black people alive. It's what kept indigenous people alive, especially black slaves, especially black freed people when we weren't allowed to have anything ever. She really wants to keep that tradition alive of just sharing how to go into your yard and forage and collect and use our land to support us and to nurture us so shit i would love to see her do a collab with steve brill <laughs> that would be so awesome <laughs> that would be so awesome they can go and we, talk about like the original black inhabitants of central park dude i'm sure this he knows perfect. so much okay also i just want to point out that wild man steve brill has a teenage daughter mm -hmm. who she was like maybe four years old five years old the first time that she was on a tour that i was on mm -hmm. and even at that age, could identify um, I love poisonous this. things, could identify edible things. And now that she's a teenager, she does tours on her own. I love this. I love this. I just wanted to mention like another woman. Yeah, we should. OK, so we've got to get these people together. We've got to get all these three people who maybe know everything about each other and maybe know nothing about each other. Probably know nothing. <laughs> I bet the forager community is very small. Maybe. I don't maybe. think it's that big. I just don't know how active wild man Steve Brill is on the Instagram. Maybe somebody <laughs> told him about the uh, black forager. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. 
So check out all these people. These are awesome people who are out there doing the herbs and the botanicals for the people and for, you know, these really awesome, I think, uh, cultural reasons that just reconnect us with our ancestors and with our past. Yeah. Her name on Instagram is The Black Forager. Yes. So with that, Shapiro, you want to talk about our beauty baddie moment of the week? Sure. So in case this is your first time listening, it probably isn't, maybe it is, but our beauty baddie moment of the week is a really embarrassing name for a segment that we have where we talk about just moments that really empowered us, where we felt really beautiful, where we felt really strong, and we can kind of reclaim beauty in like a non-traditional way. So yeah, let's uh, recap for the peoples. So... I shaved my knees for the first time (laughs) probably since last summer, Uh and it made me feel very good. (laughs) I just don't do all the way that far in the winter because I just don't care enough. Yeah. Is it weird that I can't, especially like around the apartment, I'll wear shorts like for working out or whatever. I can't Mm -hmm. stop looking. My knees look better. They look better. Yes. Probably because I got an exfoliation from the razor. But also like, I don't know, maybe take care of yourself, girl, and just like shave your fucking knees. I mean, look, it was a little thing that I did for myself that took all of two seconds. And I feel really good. I feel you with that one. Mm -hmm. They're smooth. Ooh, that sounds nice. My beauty baddie moment of the week. Okay, well... (laughs) okay so mine is really silly it's really about like I don't know I think I'm gonna take this for the car I've been having like you know a 90s Angela Bassett moment leading up to (laughs) my 36th birthday I'm doing like a waiting to exhale slash how Stella got her groove back moment in time and within that comes selling shit that I no longer need Figuring out what the fuck I do need. Just like, you know, becoming Elizabeth in her full, in her wholeness. And, y'all, the car that I have is fine. And I don't want to talk shit about it because, like, it's a car and it's a lovely car. And it's done so much for me. But it's time for it to go. Do you know what I mean? Memories. It's old as shit. It's not doing much to help me out, like, right in this moment. It's, in fact, causing too much attention to me in that the bitch has been broken into twice. (laughs) Motherfuckers are coming up to my door asking for money. I'm like, does it look like I have any money to you? For some reason, it does. My side view mirror is hanging off. My side view mirror got sideswiped the other day. Also, the other day I saw that in front of my building, they were going to be repaving it. And so it was like, you know, no parking. It was a tow zone. And because over the summer this has happened to me before in my old apartment in which I forgot to move the car, I ran downstairs and the guy was like, oh, we just move it up the street. Don't worry about it. When this happened this week, I was like, you know what, girl, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to roll the dice and see what the fuck happens. Only person I know whose car has gotten towed multiple times, so she's like totally prepared for it. Part of me is like, fuck this fucking car. Take it. Get rid of it. Get rid of this bitch, you know? So long story short is I was saying to Alex that that morning, the next day, I went out to find this bitch and she won't there. She was not there. That bitch wasn't back down the street. I talked to the construction workers. I called two precincts. I called 311, spoke to the transportation department of New York City, trying to find this bitch because finally I was like, well, the car said, fuck you, ho. You don't care about me. I'm out. I'm out. Bitch, I'm gone. And long story short is that bitch wasn't gone. She was right up the street, right up the street like I knew she was. And I guess I bring up this story because that day I was texting. I was like messaging, voice messaging Alex kind of through this. I was like, so I'm kind of having an emergency this morning. The car's gone, bitch. I don't know where it is. 
I stayed calm. And the whole time I stayed calm because it was like, I don't know. I just, I just knew I would find this fucking car. And what good does it do? Just wilding out about it. I don't do no good to nobody. And bitch, I found that car. And I thought, well, this is my beauty baddie moment of the week. Don't let the world get you. Don't let the world get you. I came into work today. I said, Alex, I need to get rid of this car. It's got bad juju, but I need a car because this terrible thing happened in the subway today. And a bitch can't be taking the subway. And together we came up with a reasonable way for me to get a car that doesn't attract too much attention. Doesn't need too much attention. Yes. It's just going to get me from work to home. All of the things. All of the things. And I feel like I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that as my beauty baddie moment of the week. The universe didn't get me because the universe got me. Bam. Also, I got another thing to say. And this is maybe my real thing. A friend texted this to me. Everything that we want is on the other side of fear. You take that into your week with you. You're welcome. I like that. Who said that? Rain Lambert told me that today. Mm. She goes by Rain Reed these days, I heard. <laughs> my dear friend Rain. She's like, yeah, that's not my name anymore. That's not my name, bitch. Get it right. Wow. Yeah. She didn't say it. She said that somebody told her that. <laughs> I like that. But I'm going to take it because it's the truth. Everything that we want is on the other side of fear. I love it. You know? Bitch, turns out it's a Subaru. <laughs> That's all you need, a fucking Subaru. <laughs> anyway, guys, so next week we have an incredible guest. We have James Vincent from The Makeup Show on. Don't even tell them anymore. I'm not telling you anymore. Y'all have to show up here to hear it. Y'all need to show up to hear I it. I love because, him. I yes. love him. <laughs> we had an incredible conversation. He is an incredible makeup artist. He's an educator, but he is a makeup artist for Joan Jett, for Amy Winehouse, for Rihanna, bitch, for... Our girl Lady Gaga. The list goes on and on and on. And somehow he graced us with his presence. And we had such a fucking incredible episode. So y'all need to show up here next week to hear about it. Trust us. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can DM us or email us your listener letters and Beauty Bowdy Moments of the Week on Instagram at True Beauty Broken Podcast. Or our email, truebeautybrokenpodcast at gmail.com. Y'all can follow our personal Instagram accounts. Mine are just um, outfit selfies, but you should definitely look them out today. I'm wearing a fabulous leopard ensemble. It's beautiful. She is leopard. I'm going to borrow it one day. Oh, you should. It's going to look very good on you. She's a leopard print, turtleneck, long sleeve dress, fishtail dress. She's giving birthday vibes. Um, you can see it on my Instagram. I'm at the Brown Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Alex Lindley. Um, I don't post outfit photos. It's mostly boring. <laughs> uh, I do post in my stories a bit, though. Not saying yes. it's exciting, but you'll at least see like a cat photo. <laughs> Sometimes the chickens, maybe like a photo of Kyle that yeah. he didn't approve of me posting. <laughs> but that's it. If you live locally, make an appointment at truebeautybrooklyn.com. So you can come hang with us at either of our locations. In Williamsburg, we're at 419 Graham Ave. That's where Elizabeth is most days. And in Greenpoint, we're at 166 Franklin Street. That's where Alex is most days. And if you don't live locally, don't worry. Y'all have been asking often how to make a virtual consultation with us. You can make a virtual skincare consultation with us at truebeautybrooklyn.com. So basically, either way, you want to hang with a bitch, you got to make an appointment at truebeautybrooklyn.com and we can't wait to see you. I think that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
This has been a COCBK production produced by Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro, mixed by BetaWave. Follow us on Instagram at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Listen, follow, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen to new episodes one week early on Amazon Music or early and ad-free, plus bonus episodes by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.